Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm delighted to share this series is in partnership with Heck. Being an independent and family-owned business, they pull out all the stops to bring that farmer's market quality to the supermarket shelf. If you love a fry-up and you're doing meat-free Mondays, they're not complete without a top-quality vegan sausage. Heck's new vegan breakfast sausage is the perfect showstopper in any vegan fry-up. Containing mushroom, tomato, carrot, parsley and sage, they're the perfect start to the day. And with most of us not getting our recommended 30 grams of fibre per day, with 3 grams of fibre per sausage, they will give you a great head start. You can find Hex Vegan Breakfast Sausages online at heckfood.co.uk and in the major supermarkets too. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic, and author of Renourish and Top of Your Game. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Every two minutes, someone in the UK is diagnosed with cancer, and it is predicted that one in two of us will be diagnosed at some point in our lives. But there is hope. With new pioneering ways to prevent, diagnose and treat cancer over the past 40 years, survival has doubled and today half of us will survive the disease. Interestingly, 4 in 10 UK cancers are thought of as preventable through lifestyle changes. And although a healthy lifestyle doesn't guarantee us a life free of illness, it certainly puts the odds in our favour. Joining me to unravel the causes of cancer and explore ways we might be able to prevent it is Dr. Sam Godfrey from Cancer Research UK, whose PhD in biochemistry and cancer immunotherapy makes him perfectly placed to share exactly why we haven't cured cancer just yet. Hello, Dr. Sam Godfrey. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, thank you for coming in today. Where have you travelled from today? I've come from Canterbury. I literally oh, wow. just moved house. So um, we are, we, we're, well, we're currently living in a tent, which okay. is very exciting. Um, That's quite cool. We have a, I've got a two-year-old daughter, so we have one, one criteria, which was wherever we go, 
we have to go to a house that's ready to move in. And so what we've done is we've built basically a building site. Um, so we are instead nice. in a tent in the garden, which yeah. is uh, thankfully it's been really cold at night. So um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really good, like increasing our sort of fortitude and, uh, of and internal strength. Exactly. Resilience there. Brilliant must parenting. Be great. No, of course, but something, an end goal to look forward uh, exactly. to. Exactly. The potential of the yeah. property. The Amazing. potential. Yeah. I mean, talking of potential, I mean, you're obviously here today to discuss cancer. And with mm. recent cancer survival rates, um, which are incredible, and you consider how not long ago, really, there was so, there was much less hope, wasn't mm. there? Can I ask, I mean, will we ever cure it? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, we do cure cancers every single day. Um, there are millions and millions of people alive who have been cured by medicine. And um, my grandmother's one of them. It's oh. everyone probably, if they think about it, will know someone who has actually mm. been cured of cancer now. Mm. We're at a point where half of all people survive their cancer, which is, that's extraordinary. Because if you go back to 1970, if you were diagnosed in 1970, you had about a 50% chance of living one year. Wow. Today, you've got a 50% chance of beating your cancer, which is that whatever measure you care to look at, that's extraordinary progress. Mm. Um, the problem is that when we talk about curing cancer, people tend to lump cancer together as one thing, and it yes. just isn't one thing. Every cancer is as unique as the person that gets it. So you can have two people, both of breast cancer, mm. one of whom will survive, one of whom won't, and that's because their cancers are very, very different. We want to get to a point, obviously, where as many people survive as possible. I reckon we will get to a stage in the future where dying from cancer is very, very rare. That's where I think we'll get to. Wow. Um, I'd love to say that we'll get to a point where one day no one will die of cancer, but it's only going to take someone to not seek medical treatment or something, and then, mm. and then of course, it'll escalate. Uh, so, yeah, I think we need to think about cancer as more than one thing. Mm. But actually, every single day, there's so much reason to be optimistic. Yeah, well, that's given me goosebumps, actually. It's really lovely, lovely to hear that. And it's interesting you mentioned the word unique. So I'm trying to hammer that home every day mm. with nutrition, let alone the fact that everybody is completely unique. So should we break it down for everybody? What exactly happens in the body of a cancer patient? Yeah, sure. Um, so cancer, first of all, is um, we're all made up of cells. I think mm. we're about something like 10 trillion cells, which is too big a number for my little brain to manage. <laughs> Um, but it's a <laughs> huge, <laughs> huge number. I'm sure I heard someone say once there's more more, um, more cells in your little finger than there are people in China or something. Oh, um, my goodness. Which is, which is nuts. <laughs> and each one of those cells is packed full of DNA. And mm. DNA is all the instructions which tells it what it needs to do yeah. and what it's going to go. And, like, d does it make insulin? Does it, um, does it grow hair? Does it uh, act as a waterproof barrier for rain or whatever, you know, whatever it could be? And it only takes a few mistakes in those DNA for that cell to suddenly go a bit weird and rogue. Mm. And it always puts me in mind of there was a Friends episode years back where Rachel made a trifle and she oh combined goodness. the yeah you know the one I where she it. she I added that layer of beef and onion into the trifle <laughs> yeah, or something. So Basically, they followed the wrong instruction yeah. and you ended up with this thing which wasn't what it should be. Mm. And that that's what cancer is. It one cell follows some incorrect instructions by a mistake mm. and it starts to do something it shouldn't do, yeah. and then. Because cells, uh, they, they sort of self-perpetuate, they grow, they mm. multiply, that starts to grow and grow and grow within the body. Yeah. And you end up with maybe it's a tumour that's doing things that it shouldn't do and mm. behaving in ways that it shouldn't. And that effectively is cancer. Mm. Now, that explains part of the reason why it's difficult to treat, because they are still our cells. So mm. whereas if you're treating, I don't know... Uh, an infection, you can throw antibiotics at it because the bacteria are very, very different to our, our cells. Mm. But in cancer, the cells are the same 
as us. It's just they are rogue. They're doing yeah. things that they shouldn't. They're mutated cells. Mutated. They're just following. They're, they're sort of like Godzilla stomping around <laughs> Japan kind of thing. Um, and that that makes it tricky. And it's probably why beating cancer is the hardest technical challenge humans mm. will ever face. Mm. I think it's does it affect animals as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you've got more than one cell to rub together, basically you can yeah. get cancer. Yeah. I know there's um, and it goes all the way back into as far back as history goes effectively right. so there's this fossilized dinosaurs of cancer um the oldest fossilized one is a fish from 300 million years ago uh wow. yeah it's 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 everywhere and actually that's quite interesting in itself because the way that we became these creatures who can sort of talk and dance mm. and do whatever is is through a period of evolution yes. where you get these tiny little genetic changes which sometimes might give you an advantage so you end up with like slightly longer fins and you can mm. swim a bit better or whatever now in order for those genetic changes to happen a mistake has to happen in the dna mm. which then gives you a survival benefit mm. but most of the time those mistakes happen they don't give you a survival benefit they cause the cells to go wrong so yeah. actually cancer and evolution are the same thing they're they're two halves of the same coin gosh i love that analogy that's amazing it really does get you thinking because obviously people associate cancer being a modern illness whereas actually it has been around for oh, thousands absolutely of years. i mean that's a question i get asked all the time is yeah. like um yeah what, what's happening which means so many people are getting cancer now mm. and we've always got cancer yeah it's just we can see it now well that's just it and there are many treatment options now so could you go through the various types of treatments? Like, obviously, people have probably heard of chemotherapy mm-hmm. and radiation therapy. Could could we go through these? Yeah, a bit? sure. Um, so I'll, I'll work through, work through them. So um, the, the simplest treatment and the oldest treatment is surgery. Yeah. Um, if you can chop out all of a cancer and make sure you get every single cancer cell, which is mm. much easier said than done, then there is no physical cancer to carry on growing. So mm. surgery is the oldest yeah. is the oldest treatment. Yeah. Um, You've then got chemotherapy, and mm-hmm. chemotherapy is, we've refined it a lot, but it's still quite a blunt instrument. It's, um, I remember being taught in immunology, it was a very kind of, you kill everything kind of approach. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. what, what, it, what it does is it relies on the fact that cancer cells grow faster than normal cells. And because they're growing fast, it's, I suppose if, if I asked you to build a house mm-hmm. and you really rushed it, you're slapping all the bricks down and the cement and everything. And Sounds it would like probably be pretty shoddy if yeah. you built it quick. If you built it slowly, it would be pretty mm. stable. Mm. So that it builds on the principle that cancer cells, because they're growing so fast, they're a little bit less robust. So if you pump the body full of something which can kill cells, the ones that are growing faster are more likely to die. Mm. So what you get is the cancer cells die off. The healthy cells are a little bit more resistant to it, and so they survive it and then ultimately the person gets better Mm. it's one of the reasons why the older you get the harder chemotherapy is as a treatment because an older person can't take as much of a dose and what you're trying to find is that balance between maximum damage but keeping it at a point where someone can repair repair um we're a lot better than we were with chemo so we manage all the side effects really well but it's also that whole fast growing thing is one of the reasons why people's hair falls out because your hair follicles those cells they grow really quickly so chemo hits them at the same time as it hits the cancer Mm. so that's chemotherapy yes and there's there's hundreds of different types of chemotherapy out there and some work better for some cancers and other work better for others and so on um, radiotherapy mm. it works by uh, using beams of well x-rays effectively and what you can do is you can shape those beams so they match the sort of the silhouette shape of a tumour mm. 
and then you can fire them in and you fire them in from multiple different directions and it's a bit like spotlights on a stage mm. you can light up an actor in the middle of the stage and the idea being that those x-rays will damage the dna of the cancer cells and by shining them in from lots of different directions you get one really hot focused spot so all the pathway in Mm. those healthy cells don't get as much dose of x-ray yeah. but right in the yeah. middle where it all crosses over they do so that's yeah. radiotherapy right and what about um so something that i remember doing a whole assignment on was immunotherapy ah yeah which was fascinating at the time and i remember thinking i wish everyone could have immunotherapy could you kind of touch on yeah that? so immunotherapy is um much newer field and it's it's quite promising but it's 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 also much more complicated so We've each of us have got an immune system, and this immune system is incredibly powerful. If you mm. think about it, I mean, with this room as clean as it looks, <laughs> it's it's teeming in bacteria and yeah, viruses and fungi and stuff, and everything we eat and so on. And yet, we don't get sick that often. And the fact that we complain so much when we do get sick tells us it's actually quite a rare event. So, our immune system does recognise cancer innately. I mean, every day, some of our cells will go a bit weird and a bit cancer-like, and our immune system will spot it and mm. take it out. Mm. There's something different happens when a cancer actually develops. It somehow finds a way of avoiding the immune system. So immunotherapy effectively is either using, being inspired by the immune system to design drugs that can recognise the cancer, or training the immune system so that it can fight the cancer mm. you might for example maybe the cancer hides by putting up like this kind of invisibility cloak yeah, over yeah, itself yeah. <laughs> so if you can whip that away mm. or throw a pot of paint over it so it's visible then the immune cells can come and recognize it so that's immunotherapy the challenge we've got at the moment is it works really really well for some people it doesn't work at all for yeah. other people and the side effects uh, it's not side effect free it can still have quite severe um, side effects. So we are seeing some really interesting mm. things happening. I think it's going to be a hugely powerful It's incredibly part. expensive, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like, well, that's I mean, it. We have to add all these treatments must cost an absolute fortune. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, if you think of a chemotherapy, it's it's a chemical that can yeah. be made in, in a lab. Mm. And just as long as it's purified, that's that. Mm. But if it's an immunotherapy, it's something which is actually manipulating your biology at the same yeah, time. And that's right. much more technically difficult to do. Ooh, oh, oh, it's so, so interesting. And I mean, it's surprising to know there are over 200 different types of cancer. I mean, wh which are the most common ones that you see? So... The most common cancers, um, in men it's prostate cancer, yes. in women it's breast cancer, mm. and then for both men and women it's lung cancer and bowel cancer. So they're, uh -huh. the, they're the, the big four, effectively. Okay. And um, some of them are, I mean, breast cancer we've done remarkably well mm. in improving survival. Mm. We've doubled breast cancer survival in the, uh, in the recent few years, which is great. Um, but they, all, they are all unique and they all come with very different challenges. So something like bowel cancer... It's one of those cancers which, um, if it's caught early, you've got a fantastic chance of beating it. It's something like 97% chance of survival if yeah. you're caught at the earliest stage. Yeah. If you're caught late, that drops to like 7% chance of survival. But that's why awareness is so important, of course, yeah. isn't it? Looking out for symptoms, knowing what to look exactly. for. Because a yeah. lot of people don't notice these types of symptoms. No, like or think... blood in stools or things like that. It'll just go away mm. and uh, mm. don't want to bother the doctor, that mm. kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it completely is... Very, very important. Um, you also get some slightly strange ones. So prostate cancer is a slightly weird one yeah. uh, in that prostate cancer is, depending on how you define it, potentially extremely common. You could arguably say that almost every elderly man, if mm. you did an autopsy on them, would have an abnormal prostate. Mm. 
But the difference between it being a cancer that's going to be aggressive or a cancer you can just live with, we really don't know yet. Uh So what you can do is a lot of men, when they get an abnormal prostate, the doctors will monitor them. Mm. And they'll just look for changes and all they do is they just watch and see what happens. Yeah, I've got a member of my yeah. family at the moment with that and um, they're looking at his levels, his, is it blood tests he's having? Yeah, PSA tests probably. Yeah, PSA, that's it, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and does age impact these different cancers as well? Yeah, I mean, cancer, first and foremost, is, is to do with ageing. Mm. Um, the older you have a car, the, the more likely it is to break down. Yeah. And it's, it's, the same, it's the same with us. Yeah. I think the average age for being diagnosed with cancer is something like 70. Um, oh, really? It's, it's really, really old. It's, it's relatively rare in young people. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because you do, obviously, it's terribly sad when you, when you see cases of young children in hospitals with cancers. Are there different types of cancers that tend to affect young people like that compared to what we've just described as breast cancer and prostate yeah um yeah completely um children and young adults get Mm. some cancers which you rarely see in older people um i mean a great example um of one is one called neuroblastoma Mm -hmm. and um it's despite the name neuro it's not actually in the brain okay um and it's 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 the leftover developmental cells from when you were an embryo developing in your gut and they're meant to kill themselves off when you're born, but they, but in a few people they don't. Mm. So that tends to hit in the first five years of life, um, and you don't won't see it in adults at all. What's really interesting is we don't yet know what it is about certain children no. that means they get cancer. We, yeah. But if we can find out, that could mm. be incredibly powerful. So a huge amount of the research that Cancer Research UK does yeah. is looking at that kind of it's what we call basic biology. It's looking at trying to understand what's behind the development of these mm. things and if we can find that out then maybe we can stop them happening exactly and it goes back to like you said they have been around thousands of years and perhaps a lot of early kind of premature deaths were down to cancer oh, people just didn't possibly. know about it back then yeah i mean it would have been the same all the time like someone would just oh it's their time oh they slipped away some yeah. oh they they got they they got some kind of sickness and just withered away yeah. whatever it was yeah. or the child died of unexplained conditions yeah. and unless it was a very obvious lump people mm. didn't no, it was cancer no, back then. No, exactly. And in terms of cancer causes, so most of us probably think of things like smoking mm. and sunlight, but isn't it true that the second biggest preventable cause of cancer in the UK, second to smoking, is now obesity? Yeah, it is. It's something that um, a lot of people are surprised by. And it's quite actually. controversial. It is controversial. Mm. I think it's different to s- smoking is... Is um, we know that smoking is the worst. I mean, smoking yeah. tobacco is about the worst thing you can do to yourself. Of course, really. yeah. Um, but... Unfortunately, it's exceptionally addictive and tobacco companies have been very effective at pushing it to people. So mm. it's it's a tricky thing to show. Well, people used um, to um, smoke in their um, hospital wings, yeah, didn't they? they did. I mean, yeah. Wasn't it King, um, was it King George, our, our famous example of someone that had lung cancer and was in his bed literally smoking till the day he died? I, I mean, I can, yeah, yeah I can believe it. Yeah, told it was going to help. Um, oh, yeah, they, they used to advertise them, like clears the pipes yes, to your lungs yes, and stuff. Yes, yes, I know. Um, and, then you've got, and then you've also got the fact that that beca- then becomes so entrenched that if you grow up in a place where everyone smokes, not smoking isn't actually an option, really. No, it's just what's normal. smoking all the so, time yeah, passive. Oh, mm. yeah. Obesity is slightly different because it's much more linked to people's sort of body image as yeah. well. Um, yeah. And so it is a controversial thing. It's a big part of the reason that whilst we're trying to raise awareness that carrying excess weight can cause cancer, yeah. 
a lot of it is actually down to the fact that you've got to remember that fundamentally we're animals. We're mm. not, we're nothing. Yes, we're very, very clever monkeys, mm. but we are nothing other than clever monkeys. Mm. We still have all the same primal drivers as mm. everyone else. The, um, the, the, what's it, the four, they call it, is it the four Fs? Feeding. Ooh. Feeding, fighting, fleeing, and mating. Oh, great. Um, okay. the, yeah, 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 the four yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, they oh. are the things which push out. Oh, there <laughs> Sorry, we go. There I we go. just got it. Um, <laughs> there's oh, two dear. speeds in the room. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it made me smile. I saw that in a textbook and that made me yeah, laugh. Yeah, no, it's great. More than it should. Thank you. But like you said, um, we should take ethics out right now and just focus on the fact that, like you said, we are animals with the four Fs. Yeah, and, exactly. And therefore, we're, yeah. we're, we're impulsively driven to try and mm. feed and survive. Yeah. We happen to live in a world where there's more food available than there's ever been. Yeah. It's very easy to spend not very much money and get very unhealthy food. Exactly. And because our brains, the sort of lower parts of our brains, they don't know we haven't got a lean winter coming up. All they know is, here's food we need to eat. Mm. So actually, uh, you probably saw Cancer Research UK did um, a big campaign last year, um, which had like, it was like a a word search thing, obesity causes cancer. I think I even Um, went on the news to speak about it. Oh, did you? Yeah, from a nutritional perspective, because it it got a lot. It did get a lot. Um, Thing is, as because we can fully understand why it upsets people yes, and of so course. on. Um, but one in it, 20 cases are caused by excess One in weight. 20 cancers are caused by, yeah. And um, the whole reason we actually did that campaign, it's not so much aimed at the public in the first no. instance. Yes, we want people to be able to make healthy choices and changes mm. in their lifestyle. But actually what we really need to do is we need to tackle the mechanisms, the landscape we live in. So it was really aimed at the government, yeah. trying to get through things like sugar tax yes. and bans on um, advertising to teenagers. Mm. I mean, Oh, it's terrible. I mean, yeah. if you think of also the problem that we've got in the world that I circulate in is that social media and the internet doesn't have the same regulations that perhaps mm. the TV has. So you can advertise a product on the TV that... Rather, you can't advertise on the TV, but you could put it on social media, which tons of youngsters are viewing every day to Absolutely. And if if you've seen, like, I mean, if you wake up and you see an advert for a popular fast food chain and then you see another one on your way to work and then yeah. and then you hear something on the radio and so on, like this is in your mind. Yeah. And if you walk past yeah, it, you're, it's, thinking of you're it. drawn in. Um, particularly as those the foods themselves are high in sugars, salts, fats, the things mm-hmm. that our animal part of us crave. Oh, yeah. So the two things together is actually a very difficult battle to fight. Because it's not our willpower. And I'm constantly no. trying to explain this to my clients that it's not, us just saying no that's not the problem it is the environment just as much there's lots of different factors involved here but back Um, to the fact that um obviously excess weight and the role that we know it plays in cancer mm. what about stress and exercise so exercise is slightly protective against cancer yeah i think something like if everyone did more exercise it would prevent about two thousand cases of cancer a year in the uk um it's there's two levels to exercise as well. At the low level, it can help with the uh, the overweight issue, mm. which then means that so it just makes it slightly easier for someone to keep a healthier weight, mm. and so that will have a protective yeah. nature. Um, if you do lots and lots of exercise, it's also involved in bringing down inflammation yes. and um, balancing the hormones inside yeah. it and stuff, yeah. and so that can protect against breast and bowel cancer. Okay. Interestingly, there's a couple of studies that Cancer Research UK have been doing which are looking at um, whether exercise might stop certain cancers coming back. Ooh. So uh, one is um, on bowel cancer. It's a, um, a trial that's funded by Stand Up to Cancer, actually, mm-hmm. and um, they're looking to see if patients who do a certain exercise regime have a, have an improved 
long-term outcome. And then the other one is for prostate cancer, which, as I mentioned earlier, all we can do is watch and wait and see what happens. And currently what happens is you get a group of men just get watched and if something changes, maybe they get treatment. And if mm. nothing changes, fine. Mm. What they want to do is take that group of men and give half of them a vigorous exercise program right. and see if they have lower numbers of people progressing on to the next level. Great, yeah. We don't know the answer yet, no. but that's the whole point of research is yeah. we'll find out. No, that, that's that's just it. We need a lot more because we know that there is evidence that suggests that um, colorectal cancer can be caused by red and processed meat, which, mm. of course, um, has been in the headlines again this year, which yeah. is good. It's always being raised. Awareness is there. But the guidance at the moment around the consumption of these foods. So in the UK, we know that people that eat more than 90 grams of red and processed meat a day should cut down to less than 70. And where does Cancer Research UK stand on this? Yes, um, I mean, everything that we try and suggest is about small changes. Mm. Um, and that's that's across the whole spectrum of preventable cancers. So I think it's something like f- more than four in ten cancers can be prevented by making small changes to your life. Yeah. Um, with the red meat thing, we wouldn't say to people they should become vegetarian no. or vegan or anything because it has to be something that people feel they can adopt. If you try and force a big change on someone, more likely to fail than not. So what we'd say is just cut out a few portions here or there, maybe add a bit more vegetables um, in place of a sausage or something. Yeah. Um, and also you can switch to things like fresh chicken and fish yeah. because they're, they're good too. Well, precisely, but there's so many options now, which is great. I mean, there's loads of veggie sausages or chicken yeah. sausages even if you if you want to replace your red meat versions at home. And I know now that in a planetary, which is a completely different area, yeah. but sustainability-wise... Perhaps, um, yeah, just limiting things will help yeah. everyone all well, around. Like that, was it the world diet they called it recently? That came yeah, out? I, in I, January. I, I quite Lancet. like that. I Me think, too. Um, I think that's something that I might actually start yeah. trying to adopt soon. Yeah, um, I think it's good. Yeah. Everyone try and do Meat Free Monday is what I try and encourage <laughs> everyone to do. It's an easy to remember thing. And like we said, you don't need to cut anything out. It's just getting no. the balance right. And I think alcohol is something I don't know as much about. I was wondering if you have any links between cancer and alcohol. Yeah, so alcohol causes about seven types of cancer. Really? Um, oh, and it's um, about, I think something about 12,000 people a year or something will get right. cancer due to alcohol. It's, I mean, again, when I say it causes, it's not, you, you, people who don't drink will still be able, can still get cancers. People who drink heavily may never get cancer. It's the same with everything. It's, the, yeah. the problem is it's such a complex yeah. world because we're influenced by so much around us, so much that we do, so much dietary. Mm-hmm. All these things really do is they shift the stats one yeah. way or another. Yeah. Um, so it's perfectly, the, the analogy I always used to think of was imagine like you're rolling um, a pair of dice mm-hmm. and Rolling a double one means you get cancer. Now, someone who does everything right, eats healthily, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke and so on, rolls those dice once every three years. Someone who is a heavy smoker and binge eats and everything rolls those dice four times a year. Mm. It's still possible that the person rolling the dice less will roll the double one first. And you may get the few people who get through their whole life and they never roll a double one. And then because humans love a story, that's the story we talk about. And um, It's almost like because we know that polyphenols in red wine are apparently meant to reduce risk. But actually, again, it comes down to the dice, of course. Yeah. And even then, so this is is an interesting thing when... um, you get this quite often, often in newspapers. Oh, say, the headlines! Curcumin prevents cancer. Yeah, resveratrol. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and so on. Various different things. Mm-hmm. What's usually happened is some scientists have done a little bit of research on maybe cells in a petri dish, maybe some yeah. mice, or something. They've got a half a finding, and then their pre- their press office has then 
polished it a little bit. Uh-huh. And then the newspaper article has then latched onto it. And often what you then don't look at is that maybe, I mean, I don't know about that red wine example you used, but it might well be that in order to get enough dose to be protective, mm-hmm. you might need to drink 30 bottles of red wine a day. Well, that's pretty and much the case, mostly. Yeah. yeah. And, and then that amount of red wine a day probably not going to do you that great. Yeah, this um, is when critical appraisal of research comes in. It's very difficult for the general public because you're looking at these headlines which will say red meat causes cancer, whereas actually it's the quantity and yeah. the quality of the diet a yeah, lot of absolutely. the time. There was one recently about um, about alcohol um, and increasing cancer risk, and I can't remember what the stats were, because we know it does, and we know drinking yeah. too much does, but I mean, I, I still drink alcohol, yeah, and yeah. I'm not going to stop drinking alcohol. Me too, alcohol. and I'm a nutritionist. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's everything in moderation. Yeah. And I think the actual lifetime risk, of, it, that was it, it was having one drink a day increases your cancer risk. Right. But what if you, if you broke the stats down, it was something like if you took... 10,000 people and gave them all one drink extra a day, it would lead to three extra cases of cancer over those 10,000 okay, people. Yeah. So it's not actually no. a huge number. No. But it's enough to sell a headline. Well, yeah, and scientists that we've we've read up on as well have estimated that 3 in 10 bowel cancers in the UK are linked to low fibre. Yeah, And that's we know an the one. UK don't get enough fibre. We know that yeah. it's like 17 or 18 grams they get on average and they should be aiming for 30. Yeah. I think part of it is that, first of all, I mean... What's what's thirty grams of fibre look like? That's a tricky yeah. thing for people to know. So yeah. that piece of research you mentioned actually was done by some of my colleagues ah, at uh, work, great. which is quite nice. Great. So um, <laughs> it was is nice to see, nice to hear get a mention. Yeah. Um, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So... I mean, fibre, for example, a lot of people wouldn't even be beyond buying cereal that's called fruit and fibre. What what is what is fibre? This is just um, a bit. So, I mean, it's things like whole, as you know, whole full grains, of whole grains, veggies, yeah, veggies, pulses, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Make sure you eat brown bread, brown pasta, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, but trying to get all we'd say is just just try and get more of that into your diet and. Because if you try and tell someone to aim for thirty grams, but they don't know what thirty grams looks like, that's that's tricky. It's almost like the five a day. The problem we're finding is that we know 27% of the UK don't get their five a day and that was meant to be a realistic kind of guideline. So how can 30 grams sound like a realistic (laughs) guideline to the public? Absolutely. It's, um, I mean, the thing with so much dietary advice as well is that the people who um, live the most unhealthy lifestyles don't 
do it through choice. They no. do it because they may be working a couple of jobs. They're in shift work. They're very yeah. time poor. They're rushing around. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have time to sit down and concoct these beautifully balanced meals and things no. because you're just trying to live your lives. Well, there's different financial restraints, That's circumstantial true. where you're born into, what's around you, your yep. environment, like you said. So I think we have to remember sometimes, a good note to add on this episode, actually, that we're in quite a position of privilege, um, even in the cities like London, to have access to so much. Mm. And it's important to note that not everybody will have access to this kind of information. So if you know anyone listening, guys, on this podcast that you want to share this episode to, it could be a good, useful, free resource. But even things like the bacteria in the bowel, like we were just discussing with fiber. That's aren't fascinating. There certain, yeah, certain chemicals that I was reading that change the conditions in the bowel. Yeah, I mean, the whole, it's called the microbiome. Um, yeah. I actually listened to a previous podcast of yours. Yeah. With, um, was it? Professor Tim, Tim Spector. Spector, we were yeah. discussing that. That um, it, that is a really fascinating world because the fa- the fact is that we're effectively not just us. This whole extra genome within us, yeah. uh, all these bacteria that are. <clears throat> I mean, I heard of one which I thought was fascinating the other day that in breast milk there's mm-hmm. a type of. Um, there's, it produces some kind of protein which yeah. is completely not absorbed by the human body. It's just mm-hmm. we cannot digest it. Mm-hmm. But it's not for us. It's for the gut bacteria. There you and, go. And it's it's the most beneficial gut bacteria. Yeah. And so it's such an interesting thing. And we know that it has roles to play in cancer. We don't mm. yet fully understand. Yeah. But we are, I mean, we've just invested an awful lot of money, actually, into some projects to try and understand that a bit more. Yeah. Um, and with something like bowel cancer, we, we know, I think, I think some of the... The evidence is that fibre allows the transit of poo, basically, mm-hmm. through your gut quicker mm-hmm. so you don't get more exposure to sort of toxins and chemicals because it's like anything. If if I stood still and in the room and let you punch me in the face repeatedly, okay. after a while my face is going to be pretty sore and hurt, OK? Yeah. If well, my I'm, punches aren't that great, you know. I think even even <laughs> <I> frequency <laughs> eventually. But yeah. if I move around, if I, if I keep running away, mm. you're not going to get me. No. And so it's kind of like that for our gut cells. Yeah. If you're passing this stuff through the body quickly, mm. they're not getting exposed to damage for as long as they... Yeah, No, it makes perfect sense. And in fact, even with things like, yeah, tumours are less likely to develop, of course, if you're keeping things moving through. And the gut microbiome, so it makes sense that everybody should focus on diet as well a little bit. Because, of course, the the better your diet, the better your gut bacteria, the better the overall chances of pretty much everything, even happy hormones produced in the gut. Totally. Um, There's some really interesting stuff as well on that. um, they, They did some studies with mice where they took obese mice and transfer, transferred the bacteria from the obese mice into slim mice mm. and the slim mice became obese yeah. and so it affects us in so many ways yeah. and it's I mean I, I wish if I actually had my time as a scientist yeah. again 50-50 whether I'd go down the cancer route or go Ooh. into microbiome research because <gasps> I find Great. it really interesting Oh that makes me so happy to hear that So this alternative therapies then must yeah. be a little bit of a um, oh I don't even know the right word to use so I hear everything I hear people saying I'm going on a ketogenic diet to cure cancer. In mm-hmm. fact, I wrote about that on my Instagram today. I'm going to cut out dairy because dairy causes cancer. I'm going to go on juice diets. Yeah. Are there any truth to these claims? Right. Well, first of all, just go latching on to dairy. There's actually yes. some evidence to say dairy might protect against um, some cancers. Yeah. So, um, yep. so that's that's about face, first of all. It's... I read it was dairy and fish when I went to a Royal Society right. of Medicine conference last year. Some cancers, yeah, interesting. It really helps. I mean, it's it's and it's a really interesting thing. I think the thing with alternative treatments is some of them are okay to do if they make you feel better, if they make mm. you feel 
energized and so mm. on. That there's where and I sometimes think it's a science communication fault because mm. scientists use the term. There's no evidence to suggest these work, and for most of these alternative treatments, there is no evidence to suggest they work. But the term "no evidence" people take to mean they just haven't found it yet.、Um. What it actually means.、Um, It's a bit like, let's say, okay, I accused you of having a deep infatuation with Kermit the Frog. Okay, okay, I said, right. Yeah. I said you're obsessed with him. You, you, you love his little felty face. It's it's really weird. And you'd be、yeah. like, but there's why I don't. I say, prove to me that you don't、yeah. fancy Kermit the Frog. How can you prove to me that you don't fancy Kermit the Frog? Exactly. How can you? And th- then you could say, but there's no evidence that I've ever fancied him. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean you're not hiding it really well. That's the exact problem that、it's、science、true. comes up against.、Mm. There is. When we、mm. say there's no evidence, it means we've looked and looked and looked,、mm. and it's been shown repeatedly、mm. not to work. If someone's going to make an extraordinary claim、mm. that, say, changing their body's pH、mm. is going to help cause cure cancer, which is one that I've seen people believe, well, actually, changing your body's pH the alkaline.、Uh, didn't the person go to jail? I remember watching the program in America. He set up a clinic for、um, alkaline diet. I think I, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he caused a death. Yeah. I mean, your body's very good at maintaining its internal、exactly. balance. It has to. Yeah. You would die if you were too acidic. It, or yeah,、alkaline. too acidic or too alkaline.、Mm. Yeah. I think it's that's dangerous.、Mm. If someone's going to make a claim like that, then they need have the evidence to show it works.、Mm. It's not the scientific community's job actually to go. Hang on, we've 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 spent billions of pounds showing across the board that what you're talking about is rubbish,、yeah. and they also go, no, it's not rubbish. Yeah, no, Prove exactly. And it's a very difficult thing. So this is a constant problem for us. I think if it doesn't hurt, hurt, then great. If it makes you feel good, fine.、Yeah. As long as you're also having. Real medicine treatment that has been shown to save lives. I know, and I understand、yeah. where people come from because、mm. if you're desperate and scared, cancer is terrifying. Of course, and sometimes the people that are pushing these alternative treatments, they make it sound very, very convincing, very,、yeah. very scientific, and that means there's one of two things going on: either they wholly believe in it themselves. I'm sure that's part、um, of it. Which I hope, because the alternative to that Ooh, is is taking the money is evil. Yeah, really, it is evil. isn't it?、Mm. Um, and. When people do get better from alternative treatments, when you look into their medical history, they've usually had regular treatments too, and the chances are, in fact, I'm pretty certain it's the regular treatment that did the job. Yeah, that's not to say that there's not something in some、no. other treatment. So there's, for example, there's research looking at cannabinoids, for、yes. example, in、yeah. cancer. There's like, if there's something that's looking promising, science will look at it、yeah. and will. Try and identify what it is that's working, and make that as safe and pure、mm. as possible、mm. to give you the treatment that you want. It's like back、mm. to your red wine thing. If that chemical、yeah. you mentioned really is cancer protective, then scientists could make that into a pill form, so、yeah. you can take that without having to drink thirty bottles of red wine. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think it's just important to reiterate as well that no one single item in your diet is going to cure you alone from、no. cancer, and that's something I think a lot of people. And you said you're desperate to want to do something.、Yeah. Just because you're having shots of garlic in the morning or turmeric in the afternoon,、um, and you're neglecting the overall balance of your diet,、yeah. that, that's not great. A, a balanced diet is more important than yes, anything because if、is. you're going to go through cancer, it's it's a difficult journey. You need the energy and the resources well, you can get. Carbohydrates, Sam. Yeah. So this is something a lot of people believe that carbs feed cancer. Right.、Um, yeah, and it's a yeah. very we know obviously that's not technically true. Yeah. There's an element of glucose and tumors and is it angiogenesis feeding? So it's called the it was called I think the Wahlberg effect if、uh-huh. I'm remembering right. And,、yeah. it, and this is the s- study that that showed a long time ago、mm. that cancer cells because they're growing so fast they.、Um, 
devour sugar to feed mm. themselves. They they take this cheap energy source and that that powers them. Yeah. And actually, it's the basis of some of our medicine now. Like if you're having a scan called a PET scan, what they do is they basically give you radioactive sugar. And because cancer's so hungry for sugar, it gobbles it all up and it glows when you do the scan, yeah. so you can see where the cancer is. Now, that's so. The idea is that if you cut out sugars. Cancer's got nowhere to go, and you can mm. see the you can see the the link to that. You can see why people think that cancer's yeah. got nothing else to survive on, yeah. except for the fact that our body, that everything it does to feed us is break down complex molecules into simple molecules like sugar. Mm-hmm. So you cannot starve it no. by by because doing that. everything you eat in your body will at some point be turned down into a source of energy yeah. inside your body exactly. and if you're then starving it of the things that contain the fiber which we know is beneficial and the vitamins and minerals which are often found in high sugar type foods yeah that's risky too it's true i think i'd also add to it that we know that if you get cancer today there's a good chance that you'll get better that there's cures yeah. are on the table yeah this isn't true for everyone and it has to change and we're working so hard to try and change that yeah but a lot of people will beat their cancer and that's great thing is cancer isn't just like a a one-off thing no your body is still the rest of your body is still living its life and is still also able another part of the body could still get a completely unrelated cancer just by chance just because it could so if you start living well you're actually protecting the other parts of your body at the same time. A really interesting thing I saw was if you look at survival for someone with an early stage bowel cancer, Mm. uh, I think it was women, if you look at them, someone who's diagnosed at the very earliest stage, it's caught nice and early, their five-year survival is greater than someone that didn't get bowel cancer because they make healthy changes to their life. Aww. And so I think they have something like a 101% chance of surviving for Wow. So because they're actually living yeah. better, yeah. which is a really interesting stat. Yeah, it's great. Um, and so this shows that actually there's... Obviously, there are going to be some cancers which people will get, mm. which it doesn't... You, there's nothing you could have done about mm. it. And unfortunately, there's no treatments for yeah. it. And that is just horrendous. But there's still things we can do to put the balance in our favour and give us the tools to get through it Mm. or to avoid it in many cases. And it's important to start early because a lot of times people get cancer. You're you're quite a long way into your life. That prevention messaging, you really needed 20 or 30 years Mm. before. Mm. And, And we have a real challenge actually at Cancer Research UK in that people come to us when they're diagnosed with cancer but if we want to make cancer a smaller problem, we need to hit the people that aren't mm. thinking about cancer at all. Mm. And so that's that's a really crucial challenge for us. Oh, encouraging people to live well, is a, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. And, and what are the symptoms? So if someone, you know, when should someone go to their GP at lumps and things? Are there any key things that anyone listening yeah. can look out for as well? I mean, the first thing is just to be really aware of what your body's like. Mm. Because everyone's body is different and... Uh, we all we all have our own peculiarities and so on. Yeah. And so and because cancers are so so varied, sometimes you might have a symptom which is unique to you. Yeah. But it has to be. But it's still something that you you saw. So the first thing we'd say is get to know yourself. We don't mm. necessarily mean like regular checks and examinations mm. of yourself because that you might be missing the same spot every single time mm. or something. Mm. All we want people to do is just know what they should feel like. Yeah. And if something does feel a bit off, then there's no harm in going and asking your doctor. Yeah. The fact is that the average GP sees eight cancer patients a year. Eight. Okay. So when you go to the doctor, it probably isn't cancer. Okay. It's it's far more likely not to be. I like that statistic. But 
you may as well go because mm. if there is something wrong, they'll send you off for some further tests. And, like you say, and again, most of the time, nothing will happen. But mm. yeah, exactly. You yeah. get it early. And I think if you combine a whole load of cancers together, your survival is three times greater if it's yeah. caught early stage versus yeah. late stage. So with that all in mind, because I'm very, very aware that there's this is a huge topic, Sam. I mean, we could cover so, so much to cover. But with there being so many charities out there, would you be able to share how Cancer Research UK invests the money that they raise and what we can do to help the cause? Yeah, sure. Um, so Cancer Research UK is the biggest cancer charity in the world. Um, we are we, we fund something like £500 million worth of cancer research every yeah. year. And what's nice about the COUK approach is it's not just lab work. So mm. we will we will fund research into all the all, every type of cancer out there. Yeah. But we also spend a lot of our money focusing on the landscape that we live in. Mm. So, for example, trying to make sure the government makes it easier for us to live healthily. Yeah. To make sure the NHS has got the people in place to actually see you when when mm. you go to the doctors. Those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but what I like most about Cancer Research UK is we use this incredibly um, stringent what's called peer review process. So mm. this is where we have world-leading experts from all over the world. They come in and we we invite the world to send their best science ideas to us. And then these names, and as a science nerd, it's sort of like the equivalent of walking and seeing, seeing the Barcelona football team. It's like, yeah. uh, it's yeah. like oh my goodness, that's so-and-so. Yes, that person, I've read all their research. <gasps> yeah, you get complete <laughs> fanboy here. Sort of, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, oh, I spoke to Gerard Evans. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um <laughs> what they then do is they basically look at all the research and they rank it. And then yeah. what we then do is we then fund as far down as we can afford mm. of the good quality mm. research. I think we've, to my knowledge, I don't know if anyone has a stricter process for funding. And that's really important because we also have a very high um, research to expenditure ratio. So in terms of we put as much money as we physically can into the research and not spent mm. like on um, sort of raising more funds yes. and so on. Yeah. I think we spend like... Um, over 80p in every mm-hmm. pound goes directly to science, which is great. But of that money, I think we probably have amongst, if not the best quality science too, which yeah. means that what we're doing is able to make a really, really big impact. What's gratifying is other charities are copying our model, which mm, is really, really good, useful. Yeah. The good thing about being the scale we are, because we are big, yeah. um, means that we've... Um, we can afford to do the bigger things that other mm. people can't as well. Yeah. So there's certain challenges in cancer where we've just never been able to touch them. Like no scientist has ever been able to break through. Mm. And that's just because it's just too technically advanced. So, But we're of a scale as an organisation where we can say, actually, let's convene research groups from all across the world, the very best people, and give them a big chunk of money to mm. break down that one problem which is holding back this whole field. Yeah. And that's quite an exciting place to be. There are areas that we don't work in as much, so we don't focus very much on the after care and sort mm. of the, the, the sort of the looking after people going yeah. through their cancer journey as much. Yeah. We do a little bit and we focus quite a lot on making existing treatments kinder, but we don't do as much on kind of like people's general welfare yes. and well-being. Yeah. Um, and charities that do that are incredibly valuable, important. Yeah. Our view is, though, that if we can do what we we want to do yeah. then cancer won't be a problem anymore okay. anyway so yeah. that's where we're trying to get to oh i think i think it's great and 
I mean, we can wrap up on what we can do more of as well, but we've got some questions from people listening that would love to, putting you on the spot a little (laughs) bit there. So John has said, can diabetes influence someone's risk of cancer? It's a really interesting question. I know that um, there's certainly a lot of crossovers between diabetes and uh, cancer. So a number yeah. of the things which prevent diabetes are also involved in cancer. I mean, if you take obesity as a, as a mm. straightforward example. Mm. Um, there's also some interesting example where there's some crossovers between drugs. Like, um, So there's a, a drug called metformin, which yes. is used in cancer. Mm-hmm. And metformin is now used in, uh, it, well, it's used in diabetes yeah. and it's now used in cancer treatment as well. As to whether diabetes itself increases your risk of cancer, I actually don't know the answer to that, but I'm sure I could find out and you could um, put that up. I think my gut feeling is no, but I'd have to check that. Maybe message Cancer Research UK on that one. Yeah, that's that's true. It would probably be on our website, actually. We've got a really great website, cruk.org, and uh, it's got the best evidence-based cancer information in the world. Everyone check that out. So Rebecca has said, my nan has lung cancer and my uncle has prostate cancer. (laughs) Does this put me at risk? Probably not. Um, so first of all, they are when you when Rebecca says her her grandmother cancer mm. is a disease of age, and yeah. half of us all will get cancer at some point. Yeah. Um, when of genetic risks to cancer, probably three to five percent, something okay. like that, of cancers right. are genetic. Yeah. Um, most cancers aren't. If it's okay. if it's affecting fifty percent of people, it you can have a lot of people in your family get it and actually yeah. it doesn't change your risk at all. Okay. Um, and then prostate cancer being... I mean, there are certain genetic factors which can predispose mm. prostate cancer, but it is also the most common male cancer. Yeah, okay. So I think Rebecca's probably fine. And But she, what she can do if she's worried is just to make sure she makes a few simple changes mm. to her life yeah. and just live as healthily and well as she yeah. can. Oh, that's wonderful advice. Um, Poosh has actually asked something that we've already covered, um, what happens with the money. So we've already covered that one. Mm-hmm. And then Sue has said, I once read that acupuncture can treat cancer better than drugs can. Um, without all the nasty side effects. Is this true? So it's not true. Um, If you relied on acupuncture alone for treating a cancer, then you would die. Um, But acupuncture can help with some of the side effects. So it can help people with their general well-being. It can help, for example, with pain symptoms, Mm. sickness even. Mm. So certainly as a complementary therapy, it's, it's... it's something that we would definitely say okay. go for. Yeah. I would say it's always worth, if someone is in that position, to talk to their doctor because yes. um, sometimes you get unusual things where something which seems good, I mean, a good one, a good example would be vitamin C. Mm. Lots of people take <laughs> lots of vitamin C because they, they believe it'll beat cancer. Well, there's actually yeah. some drugs which vitamin C interferes with. Ah, so, there you go. And the evidence for vitamin C treating cancer in something as complex as humans is actually very poor. Supplementing in general is just risky sometimes. Yeah, Yeah, you're better off with a good diet. A hundred percent. Well, that leads me on to my favourite part of the podcast, which is the fact or fiction round. Wow, this go. is a surprise. Great. <laughs> Are you ready? I am very ready. Okay, so you need to answer fact or fiction. Oh, have you got the right answers there or not? No, no, this is the thing. Oh, okay, you so are the I expert. am the expert. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. No one is exempt from cancer. Fact. For cancer, sitting is considered the new smoking. Fiction. Using sun cream reduces skin cancer risk. Fact, but with a caveat that you also should stay in the shade and cover up because sun go. cream alone. I always end up burning a handshake printer myself somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, cancer causes um, are increasing worldwide. I'm gonna say 
somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Prevalence of obesity is increasing worldwide. Yeah. Tobacco is everywhere in the third world. So those things are increasing. So perhaps we are leading more unhealthy lifestyles. Oh, gosh. Indoor coal fires can cause cancer. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think if you've got a good chimney, you should be fine. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, vaping is better for us than smoking. Fact. White carbs cause cancer. Fiction. Smear tests save lives. Fact, 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 fact. Yeah, let's just reiterate yeah. that um, we had um, Dr. Um, David Robert Grimes on. He's an expert in the HPV kind of right. vaccination. Yeah. He was getting immensely frustrated with the fact that people just are not wanting to be vaccinated. It's, it's interesting. Um, so, I mean, HPV, which is, is, is a virus which causes um, causes cervical cancer, mm. it's... Um, it's now basically preventable. And actually, as the way we're going, we're probably going to almost eradicate cervical cancer. Right. Um, but the other thing is that people sort of think, oh, I've got a virus. How did it, is it, was I unfaithful? Whatever. Mm. No, I mean, it's not, there's actually a fantastic paper that's called um, Penis is Not Required, which oh, is about really? the HPV yeah. vaccination spreading. Yeah. And it's, so what that now happens when you go for the smear test, and it's no longer called a smear test, it's called something different. Yeah. Um, they look for presence of this virus. And if the virus is there, then they'll do a further examination. Yeah. Your body will naturally fight off the virus anyway yeah. over time. So it may be if the virus isn't there the next time, then they won't yeah. bother with you. Okay. But then what they can do is they can do a little, um, put a little camera and have a look. Yeah. And if there's anything wrong, they can take out the dodgy cells before they become cancer. Yeah. So actually... You can prevent cancer from even developing in cervical uh, Great. But what we would say is it's still a medical test, so if people have still got concerns, they should talk to their doctor. Good answer. So I slowed down your quick round. No, it's good, it's good. Diet alone can cure cancer. Fiction. One day we will be able to cure cancer completely. I'm going to say fact, but some of my colleagues might disagree with me, Yeah. but I'm an optimist. Oh, do you know, we love an optimist on Food for Thought. So that nearly wraps up this episode. But as with every guest, we finish with a Food for Thought. So mine today would be that although living a healthy lifestyle never guarantees us all a life free from illness and disease, there are definitely some steps that we can take, like we've discussed today in the podcast, to help reduce our risk as much as possible. Once again, it comes down to everything in moderation, a varied and balanced diet, good quality sleep, reduced stress and regular exercise can all contribute to a healthier and happier way of living. I mean, don't we all wish that we could achieve these kind of things <laughs> every day? So when it comes to our diets, we know fibre is beneficial, yet 90% of us in the UK do not eat enough of it. So guys listening, get your fibre in. That means more veg, variety of fibrous fruit and whole grains. Each day that can really help. One tip is to try swapping half of the meat you eat and substitute it for vegetables. So pretty much like we've said, meat-free Mondays, try some other options. You don't need to cut it out. You just need to reduce it a little bit. And the interesting thing is that fiber also increases the size of poos. So it dilutes their content (laughs) and helps you poo more frequently. So this reduces the amount of time, as we've said, that harmful chemicals stay inside the bowel, which is something you all really want to be doing. So all these things, may help to reduce the risk of cancer. Now, if we could ask you today, putting you on the spot, to share one food for thought that you want to leave everybody listening to this podcast with today, what would that be? I think I would say people should just try to live the best they can. Um, Enjoy life. By all means, you shouldn't not enjoy life because we've only got a few brief years on this planet. We may as well still enjoy it. But 
just try and look after your body a little bit. And also, don't blame yourself if cancer does happen to you, because mm. the fact is, it is a product of ageing. It is part of who we are. Mm. Medicine and treatments are getting there. We are going to beat this disease. So stay optimistic mm. and do the best that you can and be yourself. A little yeah. bit wishy-washy. I wish I'd prepared that. I but, absolutely... Um, no, that's the best. That was actually really, really touching. Do not blame yourself. Stay <laughs> optimistic. That was lovely. Sam, thank you so much for coming on Food for no Thought. Problem, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. It really is heartening to know there's such a craving to hear from expert voices in a world full of confusing advice. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll love what's coming next week. So make sure you click subscribe to be the first to hear it. And please do leave a five-star review. It really does help to get our podcast out there and hopefully help more people. So we'd really appreciate it. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com, subscribe to my newsletter, and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.